does First Man land for us critics and Nightmare Before Christmas and Big Lebowski celebrate some big anniversaries. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. <laughs> we talk movies. Fly me to the moon. <laughs> Let me play among the stars. Mm-hmm. Let this song is so much. Never mind, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> All right. I, I welcome. Heard a, I heard Damien Chazelle saves this song in First Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He sure does. Uh, welcome to LAOFCS Weekly, episode 11. I am joined by a very lovely group of people this week. Oh, for sure. Yes. Uh, Whitney, why don't we start with you then, sir? Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I am a film critic for the whole of the internet. Um, <laughs> I, I contribute to uh, IGN. I co-host yes. the movie review podcast, Crit- criticallyacclaimed.net with William Bibiani. And uh, thank you for having me on today. You're welcome. Yeah. Hi, my name is Rama, film critic, YouTuber, blogger, and you can find me at youtube.com slash ramascreen1, and I do film festivals, comic cons, red carpets, you name it. <laughs> um, I'm Jana Nascimento Nagasi, so um, I'm a colonist, Brazilian colonist of movies, film critic, part of this group, I'm a mom, a daughter, oi pessoal in Brazil, <laughs> and I'm here. It's a pleasure. Jana is amazing. She is. Thank you. You guys are amazing too. I didn't stop loving you either. Obrigado. So, how this show works? If you're just tuning in, um, you know we did a we did ten other episodes already. You should have watched those by now. Anyway, um, how this show works is that we have four different segments each week. We do a movie pick of the week, which is. Something where we vote in our Facebook group, uh, the members of the Los Angeles Online Film Critics Society. We vote, we vote on various movies that are coming out this week. And that's what we start off with. Then we move into an indie spotlight, which is either something that's playing in theaters, is new to streaming, is on Blu-ray. It's somewhere, and it's indie, and we want to celebrate it. Then we have something called Retro Rewind which basically is an older movie that we would love to talk about and recommend to revisit. And finally, we do a special topic because we are in awards season. This, for the next couple of weeks, will always be based around some kind of award category. This week's going to be Best Supporting Actor. So, with that being said, first segment is Movie Pick of the Week. Now, we had a really big week in terms of releases, and I don't know, we can talk a little bit about this before we reveal this, but we had First Man, Bad Times at the El Royale, Goosebumps 2, Haunted Halloween, Beautiful Boy, The Oath, All Square, 22 July, The Happy Prince, and those are just like some of the movies. There's probably about like 10 to 15 other movies being released this week. Don't you love living in Los Angeles? There's like 30 (laughs) new releases ever. Being a critic in L.A., you're never short of anything. It's driving me crazy. (laughs) Well, especially now that award season is starting, absolutely. Yes, yes. I used to live in Miami, so over there is a little limited. Mm. And some of the movies that open this week here is opening over there is like in two, three weeks later. So it's kind of a crazy, and then I'm here in LA. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> so much. too many movies. That's that's what. And just, and just enough. Movies, just just enough. Mm. Just enough. You no. saw every single one of these on this list. Then. No, I didn't. I've seen three. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay. Um, 
so guys, I, I'm just I I want to just kind of get a general. This is something new that I just thought about for this week. Is so you saw three different ones, Rama. How many of these movies have you seen? I want to say four, mm. five, four or five. How many have you seen? Five. 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 Oh, you're putting yeah, it to shame I, over I, here. Okay, and I saw one. I saw five too. Yeah, five for me. Five for me. So. Yeah. I don't know how everyone else feels at this panel, but this is a, a, a weird week for me because considering how many movies were released, uh, there was not a very clear winner. I, I felt like these movies this week were very weak. This is probably one of the weakest yeah. weeks, I feel, for movies in quite some time. Well, you can't have a best film of the year every week. Yeah. Even, but, even if there are 20 films released. But we're in peak award season right now. Well, we're at the, the start of reward, reward award season. and uh, Maybe it's because I'm spoiled because of Toronto. Perhaps, because yeah. yeah, you saw a lot of these already. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, we're not and First like Man, uh, I haven't seen First Man, but this is one of the big award contenders, because this yes. is made by Damien Chazelle, who won all those awards for La La Land last year. Um you know, Ryan Gosling is giving uh, biographical performances. Those always get awards attention. So, however good it might be, this is the big award release. True. Yeah. And with that being said, First Man is our movie pick of the week this week. Yes! <laughs> really? Yeah, I know. Yeah. All right. So, so it, it was a very interesting... Uh, I just uh, I want to talk a little bit about this because we put up the poll on Monday this week. Um, Ashley's decision was to kind of put it up at the beginning of the week and kind of give more more time to vote on this and it, it was interesting because there was a period of period of time where it looked like first man was not going to be the movie pick of the week it was actually bad times at the el royale and there was not a single vote in our group for beautiful boy which i, mm. I think is interesting to point out Good. because a lot of people uh are really predicting this one to be a big oscar contender the oath did fairly well uh f- for a smaller release and no one voted for Goosebumps, which is to be expected. I fully expected that. Uh, but in the end, First Man ended up creeping up and becoming the winner. So, Rama, I know you have a much different opinion of First Man uh, or, or the new AKA thing for, for our president, uh, First Mance. Um, <laughs> What was your take on First Man? Uh, well, obviously, <laughs> obviously, I'm the only man who likes First Man in this panel. <laughs> but but uh, I, I loved it. I thought it was an, uh, an incredible cinematic experience from a technical standpoint. You know, the whole you know, the movie makes it a mission to make um, uh, to put us inside that pod with the astronauts. You feel every shake, you feel every turbulence, you, you feel dizzy at times, and it's just like, wow, this is what they go through, I guess. Um, and of course, uh, I, I love how, I know a lot of people are divided about the whole, um, uh, the drama part of it, the, the human aspect part of it, but I love how his daughter is kind of like the rosebud of the story. That's 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 Neil Armstrong's rosebud. I, I like that uh, angle that they took for that for this biographical movie. So um, yeah, I, I, and the IMAX sequences. Oh my god, dude! It was just like it was breathtaking. The moment they opened that uh, the pot, you show the moon. It's like wow! <laughs> it's like I'm there. So I, I love it. I really do. Yeah. It's worth watching because of the IMAX images. Yeah. But I think it, I was expecting so much more of the the relationships of all of them. Mm. I think Ryan Gosling has a very good performance. Claire Foy. 
again she's amazing i really like her but i think there is some a lot of gaps in the story itself and i for me didn't do much i think did not add anything to to myself that's fine but that's i really respect your point of view <laughs> i think that also there is some since you are a diverse group, I think it's a lack of diverse people. It's just a bunch of white men doing <laughs> going true. to the moon. And it's not this is not true. This is not the real story. There is some diverse people inside. <laughs> Interesting. That, that's, uh, a, that's a good thing to Thank point you out. for bringing that up. Yes, because that is guys, definitely not one but... of my criticisms, but you know what? I agree. Yeah, I agree. It is true. We, it we've is true. already seen hidden figures. Yes. Surely we could yes. have had some crossover. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Have the, the going you. to the moon cinematic universe. I understand yeah. that it was about him. Is a biography about him. Yeah, but at least mm. someone, no, yeah. no, one, no. one character. It's not first person. It's first man. Yeah, right. Um, so Jenna, you know, uh, I fall very, very much on your spectrum with this with this film. Um, you know, I saw this at Telluride, and um, I. I our friend Dimitri, who uh, I do meet the movie press with, uh, said this was his biggest disappointment of 2018. Uh, I would say that I don't know if it's my biggest disappointment of 2018, but it's definitely up there. Um, like Jana's talking about, it's it's so focused on this Neil Armstrong character, and I get it. The movie is a based around him and him getting to the moon. I get it. But there's so much involvement in this story where it just glosses over so many other people and so much attention to detail and so much of just his own family life. It, it's, 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 it's an emotionalist movie where it's, it's just dark and sad for like no real reason just because it follows the Damien Chazelle type formula where everything is just very much like here I am I'm a guy I believe in this here's my American dream I want to do this everything else gets put to the side yeah. hmm. and I just I this is the first time that I watched a Damien Chazelle movie where I really started to feel that disconnect where I didn't buy into the performances I didn't buy into any of the events that happened. They, they show some really devastating things in this film. Yeah. Like there's there's stuff going on with other astronauts where like machines catch on fire, spaceships blow up, people die. And I just have this disconnect, this emotional <laughs> yeah. disconnect because I don't know the characters. I don't know anything about them. It's like they're like, oh, well, this spaceship blew up. Okay, on to the moon. Like, that's how it felt. Like, it just, like, whoo. And it just, yeah. sorry, it just went, like, it just skipped over things. It felt the emotion, like, it, it didn't ever dive into the emotional level yeah, of anything going on. That, that disconnect that you mentioned, that's how I felt about Beautiful Boy. But I totally oh, understand oh, where well, you're yeah. Beautiful yeah. Boy. Oh, everybody yeah, everybody, that everybody at this table, I think, <laughs> felt emotional disconnect with Beautiful Boy. That's how I felt, so, yeah. One question, as somebody who hasn't yeah. seen the movie, what hook is Neil Armstrong let off of in First Man? Because in Damien Chazelle's two previous films, he kind of gives his protagonists a pass for their bad behavior. Mm. They they treat people very callously, but usually in the service of a higher art or pursuing their dreams or some such thing. And that seems to be a recurring theme with him, is 
Neil Armstrong being forgiven for some sort of unforgivable or just I think so, yeah. right? Yeah. Vice yeah. or sin that he's yeah. just okay. I think yeah. it's for being a bad husband and a bad, bad father. father. Mm. But it's okay because he's also an astronaut. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He has too so much going on. Yeah, yeah. Damien yeah. Chazelle, who did you leave behind? <laughs> <laughs> I I wonder that too. I yeah. mean I've been I said this now the last couple of times I talked about this movie. And this is no offense to Damien Chazelle, but I, I I feel like watching now his his trilogy of movies that he's he's essentially like you're pointing out telling the exact same story just in different ways with different mm-hmm. themes like one's about jazz, one's about drums, one's about going to the moon. It's just it's the same story over and over again about this guy who's very passionate. And he doesn't really care about anyone else or anything else that gets in his way. He has a goal in mind, and he's going to achieve that goal. And if love suffers, if his family suffers, if anything suffers, it doesn't well, matter doesn't because matter. he wants to go. This, this is this, uh, his first movie that he didn't write himself, right? Yeah. Right, oh. which yeah, is weird, first, right? Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it's, weird. So I'm not wondering, like, uh, he was still like that on the, on the, on the pages? The on the screen. Composer. He used the same composer. He used the same composer, La La Land. And, uh, that's why you have the very similar tones, like... Like the score, the score is like very similar to the other yeah. movies, and it's an adaptation. So I'm wondering if that's also something like that from from the script and the book itself, or maybe he just you know let me make this like you said, like my other two movies. Maybe I I, I also think I wanted to talk about yeah. Claire Foy's performance a little bit. Yeah. You know, you get this impression right from the beginning that they really just don't seem in love. They, they just, they just <laughs> do not seem in love at all. And there's like this, uh, this, this, this blank stare on both their face when they look, both their faces when they look at one another. That it kind of makes, there's a scene where she kind of has a flip out yeah. in it. And I just, again, like there's nothing there for me. Yeah, but because, I think the problem is the chemistry between both, both actors. Okay. It's not just that, like the face. I think it's not just like being there. I think they don't have any chemistry at all. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. And she's very. I like. I really like her. I think her performance is good. But I think blends when they are together. Blends together. I, I it blends the blondness. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got you. Yeah, Ramen, you have uh, you have any negative things to say about First Man? <laughs> Or say some more no, loving I, I, things I, for I, Damien Chazelle. He wants to hear it on this show. Well, well, here's the thing. I think I think your arguments are valid. I'm not saying that you know I'm not gonna be like, oh no, you're wrong. You know, I, I totally get where you're coming from. You know those things I see too when I saw the movie. And uh, but uh, overall, I just felt like um, it was. I don't know Neil Armstrong the person. I never knew, never read about him. I don't know if he was a, a soft spoken or a man of few words like Ryan Gosling did in the movie. But the the angle that they took with having the the daughter as the rosebud that really that really got me right here because yeah. that connects it. Did that yeah. work for you? Like, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I'm okay. Lately this year, like mo- a lot of movies talk about the relationship between daughter and 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 father. You yeah. know, it's not just the first movie that shows this type of relationship. So. I think, yeah. yeah, I think it's it's okay. Parent parents will connect more. I think. With this movie, that's that's how I feel about it. I think parents will connect more with it too, and I and I do want to say like just so it doesn't seem like I'm shitting on his parade. <laughs> I mean, he 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 is. Uh, this movie is a technical marvel in, in that, and, and I said this in my review. It, it's like it, I felt like I was watching two different films. Yeah. I, I feel like on one hand, there's 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 half of a masterpiece here 
when you look at the space shots, when you look at the technical aspect where you feel claustrophobic being inside the space capsule with them, it's just like you see the fly, you know, it's it's just the crack in the, the, the glass. It's it's something about it just feels like you're a part of the oh. experience. And that that's that's incredible. But it's just to tell to tell a good story, you need a good story, and you need good <laughs> you need you need good performances. You need strong dialogue, yeah. and, and that's where the movie fails. I think, from my in my opinion, yeah. no, no, that's good. I, I think uh, just like the Aviator and Matt Max Fury wrote, this one's gonna get nominated in all the technical categories. Oh yeah, that's for sure. Definitely yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if any of the acting performances are no, gonna, are gonna get any. Yeah. Uh, how do the technicals compare to Gravity? Oh, that's a good. Because oh, um, that's one of the you know, most exhilarating space yeah. shot yeah. Yeah. films of recent memory. But I, I don't know if Gravity was in IMAX. They yes, it was. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All of the yeah, I don't know how much the portion of Gravity, but I think it's pretty much similar. Like okay, um, I did want to just Ashley spoke about this. One of the things that she appreciated was that it was kind of like an independent space film in 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 the sense of being very um, personal. So you saw a lot of it from his perspective. So it wasn't those like grand space shots, like where it's not like, oh, look at this beautiful space shot. It Mm -hmm. was more like seeing it through his lens Mm -hmm. and seeing it through his helmet or being that up close. So it's much different, I think, from gravity in that sense. In that sense, yes. Yeah, Yeah. because it's not. But the quality of technology. Yeah, the quality of technology is pretty similar. So. All right, so uh, you unfortunately will be excluded from this this rating. Uh, out of ten, uh, what would you give this? Out of ten, nine, nine, <laughs> bold, um, six, six. Mm-hmm. I gave it a six too. Okay. We're on the same page. All right. So uh, moving on to our next segment, Indie Spotlight. Uh, Since Whitney was very quiet during this last one, let's start with Whitney. Okay, well, uh, still playing here in Los Angeles, and uh, I don't think it's been distributed to the rest of the country yet, is Monsters and Men. And uh, this was a really interesting uh, indie that came out about two weeks ago, um, and it deals with uh, police shootings. And it's told in a really fascinating style because it's sort of like a triptych. We have three separate characters and they all have their own miniature stories, even though they all connect. We start with a young man who's living uh, in Bed-Stuy in New York. Uh, He's trying to get his life together. He lives with his mom and his wife and his young child. And he's on the cusp of perhaps getting a better job when uh, one evening while he's hanging out with his friends, he witnesses some police go into his local uh, liquor store and they shoot and kill the proprietor. We don't see the shooting, but he films it. And now he is at a crossroads. He has to choose whether or not he's going to share this video with the public, maybe put his future in risk, or just sort of let it slide and have it just have yet another shooting be pushed aside and into the news cycle. Uh, then he, we sort of leave him behind. He decides to publish the video, and then we leave him behind, and we focus on a black cop who uh, is sort of periphery to the shooting and his drama within the police department because he's a really good cop. He wants to do the right thing, but now he's he has to face some of the racism that's just sort of baked into his local precinct and what he's going to do to help his fellow police officers and what he's going to call out. And the third act of the film is a high school student who is uh, on the cusp of becoming a big star. He might get into college soon. And he has to choose whether or not to 
ignore this act and just sort of sell himself as an athlete or if he's going to protest the violence in his own community. Um, these little miniature stories don't come to some one gigantic head. They don't intersect in some big, really obnoxious uh, way, the way that movie Crash did. Uh, it's more about trying to advance the conversation about this very serious issue that's going on in the world right now. The constant shooting of black men by white cops. Mm. And I think that Monsters and Men just wants to look at that and see how those acts of violence just sort of ripple out in amazing and in very subtle ways throughout the community. And I'd say amazing, just sort of the far reaching uh, aspects of this, like the single act. I still have not seen it. Yeah. Has anyone else and seen it? it? It's, it's maybe not one of the best films of the year because it's these little miniature stories. It's not going to sort of grab you and yeah. pull you in. It doesn't conclude in any sort of like really movie like cinema sort of way, but it is going to confront you and it's going to ask the questions and you're going to have conversations uh, afterwards. And I think that's just as important. How does that uh, compare to the hate you gives uh, tackling of the police? Mm. Well, it, it's kind issue. of interesting. And there was also a film earlier this year called blind spotting. It yeah. also oh, deals true, with police yeah. shooting. So it's, it's on, it's in the consciousness right now. Okay. okay. And uh, yeah, the, it, it all deals with similar acts of violence and, in, in different, you know, looking at them from different aspects in different cities throughout this country. They the Hate You Give is much more teen-friendly mm. because it's told from the perspective of a teenager and it deals a lot with her concerns, the main character's concerns, uh, where she has to deal with you know, her relationships with her schoolmates and you know her she has a white boyfriend and how does that going to look now that she's witnessed this shooting and she has to sort of discover her own identity through this act of violence. Mm. Um, Monsters and Men deals with it in a much broader way, which means it it might feel a, a lot less focused, but it's still looking at all of these aspects. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. It's like blind spotting. If you yeah, did you yeah. see blind spotting, I did see. Bl- I love yeah. blind spotting. Yeah, I didn't. So. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, mm. No, I definitely, I definitely have to check that out. And by the way, Wendy, that was a expert analysis of oh, that well, movie like that was like the best like oh. description i think we've ever had on the show of a breakdown of the movie well, that's great when, when when you hand me a rich film i'll give you a nice description when you when you hand me something weak i have nothing okay, to say explain goosebumps no i'm just kidding <laughs> I, I can try all uh, right rama which what do you got for us all Square, this film starring Michael Kelly, whom you probably recognize from his role as Doug Stamper in House of Cards, and a young actor named Jesse Ray Shep. So it's the, in a nutshell, basically, it's about this bookie. He plays a bookie, you know, uh, owes people a lot of money, and people owe him a lot of money. So then he go, uh, encounters this young little kid in, the, in his little league, baseball league, and he's like, oh... Let's put a gamble on this thing. <laughs> so, so he gets the whole town to pl- pretty much place bets on the on the game, and that that turn everybody and their dads to like become pissed off when they lose their bets or their gambles. Like and they take it out on their kids. So the the humor is very on the rough, rowdy side. Um, so if you like that kind of stuff, I did, um, and then you'll you'll find a, some laugh or two about it. Um, it's fun to see Michael Kelly, you know, play somebody other than Doug Stamper, which he's, you know, he's been playing for the past six years. Uh, but there's a bit of Doug Stamper that c- comes out sometimes when he, his character in this movie starts threatening or blackmailing some people. Mm. It's like, oh, that's, that's Doug right there. But, you know, um, it's not about baseball. So even though the poster and the trailer makes it seem like it's bad news bears, but it's not really a sports movie. It's all about this uh, this relationship between this man and this young young kid, uh, be, the unlikely friendship between them, 
and it's like you know uh, how they can redeem themselves basically. So I, I like it. I, I don't know if gonna, people are gonna see it because it's such a limited release and on demand, but I enjoyed it. Sounds good, Jenna. Yeah, yeah mine. Uh, I choose this one. It's very. It's called soundtrack. It's a drama. It's very limited, soundtrack. like open uh, today. And I picked that one because it's like seventy percent of the production comes. Uh, they come from the crew. The actors come from Brazil. So it's very oh, cool. special for me. It's called Soundtrack. It's the first movie in English from this actor called Celto Melo. He's very... He came from the same school as Wagner Moura. Like the same... Like they are... They did like the same soap operas, uh, some movies in Brazil. So Wagner Moura is the guy that did Narcos. Uh, he played Pablo Escobar in Narcos, the, the series for Netflix. He talk about a young artist that he decides... He asked for to go to Iceland. There is a group of scientists studying the planet Earth. And then he decided to go because he's an artist. He does photography. He does some art. And then he tries to take selfies in within this environment. In the snow, with these guys, what they are doing. So he's trying to find himself over there and with the music. So that's why I call soundtrack. Because he listens to the music, take take the picture of himself looking at i don't know it's it's kind of a weird but <laughs> <laughs> yes but it, it's really it's well shot there's beautiful like beautiful shots from iceland is the first move from brazil made in iceland and it's all, all in english it's all it's really cool like i, mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. <laughs> and and it's here like in la it's just one movie theater two movie theaters in florida in new york so it's very limited i know but i really hold I really like it. <laughs> no, I, I think, uh, and, and I and I appreciate everyone at this panel today for bringing up a smaller film mm. that a lot of people are not talking about, because that's what we should be doing as a critics group is bringing awareness to smaller films that maybe no one knows about. <laughs> so um, it's sort of on the same path, but it's a little bit of a bigger release um, just because of the stars attached to this film. But I still don't think this movie is going to really put a lot of asses in seats this weekend. Um, it's the movie The Oath, which mm-hmm. is uh, written and directed by Ike, Ike Barinholtz. And it is about a family who comes together on Thanksgiving, uh, the year where the government has ordered that we sign this oath. <laughs> and the whole entire film revolves around this liberal guy played by I- Ike Barinholtz and he is so against it, and he keeps preaching to everyone about, like, oh, you shouldn't sign it, you shouldn't sign it, you shouldn't sign it. And he just goes crazy on Thanksgiving when the news comes out that more and more people are signing it, and there's some crazy stuff going on with riots and things of that nature. <laughs> um, this movie was nothing like I expected it to be. Um I don't know if it's it's the perfect package when when all is said and done. Uh, I, I feel like the ending is is very rushed and doesn't quite hit as as far home as I hoped uh, Ike Barinholtz thought he was going to do with the end of the film. But there is a lot to be said in the middle of the movie and in the beginning of the film about our obsession with politics, our obsession with social media. Um, and how close-minded people are on both sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I, I really feel like this. There's there's great scenes in this film where people are arguing, 
And it just kind of shows why nothing ever changes in this country because someone's so set in their ways over here, someone's so set in their ways over here, and there's no middle ground. Mm -hmm. And I think this film does such a great job of showcasing that, you know, the media in a lot of ways is forcing us to pick a side. And one of the questions that I posed these actors when I met with them was, uh, would the world be a better place if we didn't have the media or at least social media? And everyone seemed pretty stumped on the answer to that. Mm -hmm. They said, like, it's brought a lot of good, but it's brought a bunch of negative. Um, I know a few of us have seen this. Anyone want to chime in on this one? Well, this is is a film made for the era of Trump. Yes, Uh, yes. uh, And Ike Barinholtz is clearly coming from a a position of somebody who... uh, is in a constant state of panic. Who's following the news every day? Uh, I, I recognize it because I, I unfortunately yes. do that. You know, it's like and you you hear a little buzz. It's like oh, something other horrible is going down. And I think rather than necessarily making some sort of grand point about social media or that we relate to each other, he's just sort of giving voice to his anger and to his fear and how he looks out at the world and he's using the current cl- uh, political climate and exaggerating it in his own mind. So what he sees on the news is actually in the film The Oath is this weird sort of dystopian future of what he imagines it because what's going on outside his door is literal fascism. People are <laughs> signing loyalty oaths to the government, to the president himself, and you know, there people are being disappeared. There's a joke in the movie about how Seth Rogen has been kidnapped yeah, and yeah, killed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that's all he's doing is taking the feelings he has about the current political climate and writing it large on the screen to see if anybody else agrees with him. And then that climax is essentially him wishing for the one thing that could bring all of that to an end. Uh, because over the course of the movie, uh, you didn't mention the actual plot. You know, oh, there's, yeah. there's uh, Thanksgiving Day. Everything comes to a big head. Everybody starts arguing. You don't mention politics at the Thanksgiving yeah. table, but what do you do when the world's falling into fascism? And then uh, some special government (laughs) agents arrive at the door wondering why he hasn't signed the oath. And they say (laughs) some vaguely but definitely threatening things and he tries Mm -hmm. to stand his ground and that's when everything starts to explode. Yes. I didn't know if that was too spoilery. That's why I didn't mention it. It's in the advertising, so I think it's fair to mention. Yeah, I think it's, In in case you hadn't heard, I'm not going to mention who plays the agents. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, No. we don't tell that. No. (laughs) Um, Jenna, what did you think? I like it. There's some some points that I was like, oh my, it's very similar to a crazy family when they they bounce together (laughs) and have, like, in our case, like, Christmas or even Mm. Thanksgiving all this is special Easter, like some people are more important. I think that's really good. I liked some of the, the performances. I really enjoyed Tiffany. I don't know, for some reason, mm. I like her, her character. I don't know if people like it, but I really can It's really, different, right? It's different from what we've seen before from her. And then I really, I, I like it. But overall, it's a movie that I would say, oh, okay, you should watch, mm-hmm. you know? I think for nothing else, it brings up important points that, like, Whitney's talking about is that, you know, we live in a time now where politics is everywhere mm-hmm. and you can't escape it. And, you know, you're you're almost like, I don't know, obsessed with it. I mean, you really like you, you, you can't go a day without checking your news feed of like, oh, what did Mr. Trump do today? <laughs> uh, you know, or like, what's going on? You know, like. There's just so much stuff going on. I mean, the the release of this film 
could not be any more timely. Mm-hmm. You know, coming up on elections on uh, November 6th, everyone go vote. Um you know, and just the political climate, the way that it is, and how separated and divided we are as a country right now. I mean, this it hasn't been this bad in like decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but is the same because yeah. we are in the election yeah. for president right now, and it's kind of crazy because we're going on to a second round. Yeah, you have your own Trump, and <laughs> and we have our own Trump, yeah. <laughs> which is. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh. November six people. How come yes. we, got, we got there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on to our retro rewind. Rama, let's start with you. Oh. Uh, yes. Uh, my pick for this retro rewind is, um, yeah, that's like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> 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 the Big Lebowski, mm-hmm. one of my favorite films of all time. The Dude. Um, 20th anniversary, it comes out, I think, on a 20th anniversary uh, 4K edition packet. It comes with all the bells and whistles. <laughs> I don't know what, what other stuff they have in there. Uh, so uh, I haven't bought it yet, but looking forward to. And so I just love this film, man. I don't know, I don't, I'm just a huge fan. I, I love Jeff, Jeff uh, Bridges, uh, his chill character. And, you know, this is one of those um, uh, Coen Brothers uh, movies that tackles um, dumb criminals. Yeah. You know, yeah, so that and they do they do that so well. Like Two thirds <laughs> of their movies. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Steve Buscemi and John Goodman always mocking to Steve Buscemi every single time, and this is like, and then the the Jesus character <laughs> don't f with the the Jesus, not Jesus. There yeah. you go. Don't f with the Jesus. It's just that all the jokes just land for me, and uh, yeah, I can't. I, this is one of those movies that I can watch again and again, and will never get tired of it. Yeah, Jenna. Mine is very special one. It's like it was released like twenty four years ago. It was for my my pick is Forrest Gump, which is oh, yeah. my number one. Yeah. That movie. is not just my favorite. I, I love Forrest yours, Gump. My husband. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody. Loves oh, <laughs> I really enjoy. <laughs> it's like a won a lot of awards and Tom Hanks is super yes. cute I really liked it Robin, yeah, Robin White and uh, it's oh. something that in, there is a moment that I, every time that I watch it you pick something different something new and I really enjoy that that's mm. my pick Oh, I love mm. Forrest Gump too. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait! I gotta, I gotta, I, uh, no, we got we got just... <laughs> Are 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 you uh, one of those people that still to this day say like the, that Pulp Fiction should have won instead of Forrest Gump at the Oscar between Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump? No, no, okay. Oh, See, okay. right? I'm okay with Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Should've, should've, yeah. Should've been Thank four, you. Four weddings and a funeral, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you. Wendy, why, 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 why the sign? Uh, Forrest Gump is sentimental claptrap. Uh, it's, <laughs> it, it, it really is just this sort of really uh, treacly Disney-fied version of American history. That you I know, know. The, 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 when I saw it as a teenager, I thought this was fine, and then when I started seeing more sophisticated movies about the same, a similar period in time, it, it played a little bit too. Uh, it, it it let America off the hook in a lot of ways. Like it, it, okay. it didn't see it as this sort of very mixed, very interesting, very complex place. It was to be fair, you know, the protagonist has a very simple point of view, but yeah. I, I think the film was a little too slick for its own good. It could have had okay. a little little bit more thumbprint on it. Okay, yeah, but you know that's that's that. not Zemeckis' thing. He likes yeah. to 
make his film as slick as possible to the point where they're not even human actors in his movies anymore. Mm-hmm. It's all motion capture in most of his movies now. <laughs> I, uh, I love Forrest Gump too. I'm I'm with, I'm with these two. I'm sorry. Um, it's just. I remember watching that movie over and over and over again as a, as a teenager, and it just everything about the film from the soundtrack to the quotes to the fact that we have a fast food franchise, right? Bubba Gun Shrimp because <laughs> yeah. of the movie. Yeah, um, it's I mean, fun. Yeah, I mean, it just I, I get what you're saying, Whitney. I really do. <laughs> But sometimes it's just like how I feel about it's The Greatest Showman, just to kind of bring that up real quick. Like, okay. It's like I, I separate oftentimes my movies from my history. You know, well, uh, with the greatest showman, you definitely. I have need to. to but, yes, uh, yes, I know. I definitely need to. But I mean, it's the same with this. It just it it, it serves as a light history lesson where mm. you might want to check some of the facts. But I I still think that Gary Sinise and oh, uh, mm. and. Um, you know, Tom Hanks in this film is great. Who plays Jenny? I forgot. Robin Wright. Robin, Robin Wright, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're just, everyone is just, I think, so on point. And the soundtrack. Oh. The soundtrack. I, I will never impugn the soundtrack. Okay. Alan Silvestri. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, my my pick, uh, celebrating its 25th anniversary tomorrow, if you can't tell from my shirt, oh. uh, is The Nightmare Before Christmas, which is not directed by Tim Byrne, even though everyone I thinks know, right? it's directed well, by Tim Byrne. The title is Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before, Before Christmas, Christmas, but it's directed yeah. by Henry Selick. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's it's interesting because... The entire movie, outside of the directing, <laughs> is pretty much all done by Tim Byrne. You know, like mm-hmm. all the animation. I mean, this is an incredible film for me. This is I've, I've talked about this on uh, Black Tomatoes um, last week. Uh, this was the movie that changed uh, film for me. Um, I grew up, I was always in love with movies, Back to the Future, you know, silly films like uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, uh, Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's, like really like silly, fun movies. Um, but it wasn't until I saw Tim Burns' Nightmare Before Christmas where I felt like my my life was somehow forever changed. Um, it opened up my creative my my creative mind in, in very uh, weird ways. I became obsessed with drawing at the time, which is something that I sadly. Have a disconnect with now. I, I stopped drawing, but I remember wanting, after seeing that movie, wanting to go to animation class and be an animator. And like, I took classes and I learned how to draw all wow. the characters from the movie. And I was obsessed with it. I, I, I saw it multiple times in the theater. I, the, the day it was released on VHS, I made my mom run out to Suncoast. I still have the little figure, <laughs> the, little, the little oh, figure Suncoast that came video. with it. It's still wow. in my house. Um, I have the, Do you have the edition that had the gargoyles preview ahead of it. Yes, or? yes, okay. yes, yes. Right. And I have uh, you know like the original action figures that were released by Hasbro. And I have an entire room dedicated. Some of the people who are at this panel have been to my house know what I'm talking about. Um, it's just a really special film. I, I know, you know, that's the great thing about movies to each their own. Mm-hmm. You know, some people don't connect with movies in the same way as others do. But um, this was just something that was truly special for, for me and really shaped my childhood, but also inspired me to do something with film, whether it was be an animator, which didn't end up working out, but I now talk about movies. 
Yeah. All the time. And, uh, close I'm, enough. I, yeah, close, close <laughs> enough, right? There's only a little bit of a difference in the pay scale. You know, yeah. like, it's like next to nothing, $20 million per movie. It's you funny, funny you mentioned Suncoast. Did you buy the soundtrack also at uh, oh, Tower, yeah. Tower Records? No, no. Uh, the Wall. Do you remember The Wall? The Wall, okay. Yep, okay. Sam Goody. Probably, I, had oh, multiple copies. Sam Goody. I had multiple copies of the soundtrack because I literally had it on tape and then I got it on CD when it came out okay. i'm telling you like i was literally obsessed like it and it's like i have the regular version of the movie i have the new uh the the what was it? i think the 20th uh, anniversary okay. of the film and and i still don't believe it or not i don't have the 25th anniversary yet but i will make sure i get the steel book sometime this week <laughs> did you dress as jack skellington i have oh you have uh, okay yeah, I went, i've been to the um El Capitan to see it twice. Okay. Uh, I went to the Hollywood Bowl twice to see Danny Elfman perform wow. it live. Mm. I will be going this year, of course, for the 25th wow. anniversary. Okay. And I did a entire thing. Uh, when the first year I moved out, my wonderful wife got me the surprise um, birthday gift where we got to see Danny Elfman play all of Tim Burton's scores. Wow. From okay. his movies, like with a live orchestra That's at amazing. the uh, Nokia Center. And that was incredible. Too. Okay. So, but yes. Did, did you ever show The Nightmare Before Christmas to a possibly less than goth potential girlfriend and have to dump her when she rejected the movie? Because <laughs> I, I know we all have those test movies. Like, this is my favorite movie of all time. You're going to sit down and watch this. And if they're sort of like, meh, you begin to question the state of your you know, relationship. It always came with the territory. That's a weird, weird, this is a weird segue of a conversation. But like, I don't think anyone I have ever dated... Okay. Has ever disliked that movie? As weird as that okay. may, as as weird as that might sound, it's very strange mm-hmm. that you know I, I clearly have not dated that much. I will say that I, I, I probably <laughs> I, I probably had a total of six or seven uh, girlfriends over over the years. Uh, you know, now I am a very happily married man so, who celebrated his five year anniversary yesterday. Yeah, Congratulations, Mazatov. But, but you know. I just don't think that there was ever any person who didn't like the movie. It's okay. really weird. My parents, on the other hand, do not like the movie. Uh-huh. Okay. They, I actually had to beg them on my birthday when I wanted to see it. They were like, you want $100? You want $150 to, see, to not go to the movies to see this? Oh and I was God. like, no, no, no. I want Definitely got to go. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, it's it, it. You don't think it's overexposed because that's that's um, a bit, you with, know, with the Big yeah. Lebowski too. This is sort of an issue where Ooh, like the fandom random. sort of outstrips the film itself. I like th- I like this mm-hmm. question mm-hmm. and I like this conversation because mm-hmm. I do agree. Um, it it has become a merchandise beast, just yeah, like the thank, big, thank big, you hot topic. Yeah, yeah, and Big Lebowski the same way. Um, you know, it's kind of funny because this shirt I got from a store called Box Lunch, which I didn't even like know existed like mm. up until like a year ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's really strange because back in the day when the Disney store was actually great and it wasn't owned by the children's place, they used to have, they had exclusive rights to this merchandise mm. and it was great just going there because you knew it was made for the fans and it was limited edition. Everything was limited edition. Now it's commercialized. Now I went into five below yesterday and it was a Jack Skeleton shirt, right? Just like big Lebowski shirts are at target and Walmart. So, yeah, I um, I'm an original fan. 
Okay. And there is there is there is a difference. There is a there is a difference. That's all I will say. OJ. <laughs> Whitney, what is your what is your pick? Oh well I God, I feel so strange now because you've picked sort of these big popular movies that are, <laughs> are celebrating big anniversaries and, and uh, in the Halloween season I wanted to choose like a, a, a strange horror movie a good that, pick, that people hadn't really heard of, so I chose a two thousand seven film called Teeth. And uh, oh, I love that! Yeah, you've seen Teeth. Yeah, okay, I uh, love it too. Te- Teeth is, is uh, oh, it's weird. You should see it. <laughs> Teeth is a film directed by a filmmaker named Mitchell Lichtenstein. It stars a young actress named Jess Weixler, mm-hmm. and uh, it is a wonderful film about uh, sexism and misogyny and that sort of uh, virgin horror hysterics that are usually kind of embedded within the horror genre, especially the slasher genre in a lot of ways. Um, The premise of the movie is uh, Jess Weixler plays a young woman. She's a teenager. Uh, She has just taken a purity pledge. She's wearing her purity ring. Uh, She is then sexually assaulted rather brutally and suddenly by a classmate. uh, And during said sexual assault discovers that she has teeth in her vagina. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Which, it's you know, it's, 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 you know, an, an old oh, myth. They, 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 there's even a Latin name for it, vagina dentata. And, <laughs> and it's sort of how she needs to deal with her new status as essentially an avenging angel for womankind and how she is seen only as a sex object by men and who's not allowed to sort of explore her sexuality on her own. Even when she thinks she comes upon a, a fellow who might treat her with respect it turns out he's going to be treating her badly anyway. Even her doctors treat her badly. And she just happens to be uniquely armed to take on this problem. (laughs) And uh, strangely enough, even though this sounds really kind of lurid, it's actually an incredibly tasteful film uh, that deals with the idea of this and the characters in a really intelligent, rich fashion. We get to see how they interact with one another. We get to see their home life. It's not just you know, body, body parts being <laughs> severed left and right, trying to say it as tastefully as I can. Uh, and it, it's really shocking because you, you think you're going into a movie called Teeth about, you know, Vangina yeah. Datata, that it's just going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> and it has some of those elements, but more than anything, it's more interested in her, it's interested in her character, right. and it's really interested in sort of the boxes women are placed in, uh, specifically within the horror genre, but also in real life. Um, I, I really recommend it. So I recommend good. it highly. I think uh, you can find it uh, pretty easily. I think it's on Netflix. Um, uh, check it out, please. I I agree. It, it, you should see it, John. It's yeah. it's really it's a short watch too. It's like really short. It's like mm-hmm. what, isn't it like under ninety minutes. It's under ninety minutes. Yeah, it's a lot. It's it's a lot of fun, so but fun. it does have a good message. Mm. It really does. Yeah. Um, but thank you, everyone, for those were all great recommendations this week. Um, moving into our last topic of discussion, I don't know if anyone has any homework. I just I just did mm-hmm. some like googling before the show. We we talked about the best supporting actress w- race uh, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about best supporting actor. Um, any, I, I kind of like to start this off with: Is there anyone in particular that each one of you would want to see on a personal basis in this category? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of like supporting actor because like someone you you personally want really not. terrific performances from uh, lead and supporting actresses this year, but there hasn't been too many supporting actors that have stood out. I agree too much. No, there's not. Yeah, I was thinking like 
no, that's Tony Collette. That's hereditary. That's like actress. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> no. although, um, uh, what's his not Nat Wolf, uh, Nat Wolf's younger oh, brother, Alex Wolf, Alex Wolf, oh. yeah, um, from also from Hereditary, oh, okay. gives a pretty yeah. great performance. I thought um, so. I thought so. He plays the the young teen son in, in the family in Hereditary, and whereas the the habit when writing a character like that would be to make him sort of aloof or or strong or distant in some sort of way cool he plays him as a, a complete wimp uh for lack of a better term he just is emotion so emotionally fragile that he's ready to burst into tears and he's really super vulnerable and i like the way he plays that i think that, that was a good yeah. per- good performance one person i could think of right now so uh, even though i want the other guy instead of him but i think they're gonna push like you said earlier sam elliott from a star is born I think they're gonna mm-hmm. try to, you know, WB is gonna try to push that for him to 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 get that nomination. Uh, but I, w- I was more for uh, what's his name? Did Andrew it? Dice Clay. Andrew Dice Clay, the one who plays oh. that. <laughs> that would be so amazing if he gets it instead. But yeah, uh, they're gonna push yeah. for Sam Elliott. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. yeah. Um, the front runners right now, it looks like, is Mahershala Ali mm-hmm. for Green Book, which. I can get behind that. That that's one that I can really get behind. Uh, Richard E. Grant for "Can You Ever Forgive Me?" Which mm. uh, I uh, Timothy I, I like, Chalamet. I like him, though I like Richard E. Grant. I do too. He, he, he I do too. too. But the mo- uh, that's another one of these movies where, like, I feel like there's a lot of like praise for it, and I, I just don't. I'm not buying into it this year. It's really weird. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, of course, for "Beautiful Boy." It's okay. Uh, They're not gonna push for the lead for that one. No, I think they know that it's already like a really tough actor category. Actor and actress this year is going to be so So difficult. difficult. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, and then Brian Tree Henry for If Beale Street Can Talk, Mm -hmm. Uh, Russell Crowe for Boy Erased, Mm -hmm. Adam Driver for Black Klansman, Steve Mm -hmm. Carell for Vice. Um, My personal take on this, uh, you know, out of these. These movies that I named also, I guess I should mention Adam Driver, Black Black Klansman, who I think was fantastic yeah, in that movie. Well, well, everything's fantastic oh, in that movie. Yeah, yeah, that movie is incredible. That's still one of my. I think it's in my top five this year. It's mm. so great. Um, I would have to go between him and uh, Russell Crowe for Boy Race right now, and Mahershala is a is a good third for me. Okay, I would go for Sam Rockwell as George W. Bush. I want to see. I go for Sam before Star is Born and Russell Crowe. Mm. All right, sounds good. So uh, that's all for today's show. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to just real quickly go around the table, just announce uh, where they can find you. Okay, uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. You can find me on a a pair of podcasts. I'm on Critically Acclaimed as well as Cancelled Too Soon. Uh, You can find some of my written work on IGN, and I'm on Twitter at Whitney Seibold. And I'm Rama, and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ramascreen1, and follow me on Twitter, that's ramascreen with two S. Yeah, I'm Jana, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, Jana on Camera. You can go to my website, janaoncamera.com, and you can also find me at Gazeta Brazilian News. It's in Portuguese, but you can find me over there too. Very nice. And I'm Scott Menzel. You can find all my written reviews and interviews at We Live Entertainment. I also do two other shows here. Uh, The first one is Meet the Movie Press, which airs at 9 a.m. on Fridays. And then I do Black Tomatoes with Carla Renato, which is on Sunday at 5 p.m. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.